Hey, first off, thank you for listening to or continuing to listen to Radio Free Midworld. This is an incredibly fun show to do, and uh, I really hope that you're enjoying it. I just wanted to cut in and uh, let you know that there is a way to support this show and uh, a lot of other shows that are kind of in the same vein on the duckfeed.tv network uh, by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. The show is only possible because of the time and opportunity that your support uh, has has given me to kind of put this together. Um, and uh, more cool stuff is on the way if we're able to meet these new goals. So just a couple of bucks a month, it makes a huge difference for us, lets us uh, do more things like this. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a Dark Tower podcast. My name is Cole Ross, and we're here to talk about Chapter 3 of The Gunslinger, The Oracle and the Mountains. And for this episode, I am joined by Autumn Greer. Delighted to be here. Welcome back. Um, Also by Murph Murphy. How's it going, guys? Welcome back again. Um, (laughs) And finally here uh, by Stephen Veyu. Hey, Stephen. Howdy. Yeah. Um, thank you so much uh, for, uh, for, for, for coming on, all of you. Um, yeah, so we're talking about Chapter 3, The Oracle in the Mountains. Uh, but before we do that, I kind of want to uh, talk to you, Stephen, because this is the first time you've been on the show. And I want to uh, get a sense of your history with the Dark Tower and uh, kind of uh, what, what uh, uh, compelled you to, uh, to volunteer to guest on the show. Uh, sure. Um, uh, my history with the Dark Tower um, kind of actually is in tandem with my history with Stephen King as a whole. Because uh, as a kid, um, obviously, wasn't really allowed to read any of the books, um, which at the time I didn't really understand. And then once I finally started reading them, I very quickly uh, knew what my mom was talking about. <laughs> uh, but um, I always got to uh, watch like the I watched the Stand miniseries uh, mm. way too young. Um, <laughs> And uh, that's just kind of always been a a mainstay for me was watching those movies as a kid. And then eventually the whole time hearing about, um, you know, uh, rumblings of the Dark Tower and how somehow he's connected all these different things. And, you know, obviously Roland or um, uh, Randall Flagg uh, being in other stories. So, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I want want more of that guy. (laughs) Uh, So around a middle school, I got into the Dark Tower, uh, which is funny because – at the same time, all of my friends were – I think that was – I can't – my timeline's a little fuzzy here. But I think that's around the time the either the last or the second to last Harry Potter book was coming out. Mm. Uh, because we were in middle school and we couldn't just, you know, like different things, uh, me and my friends were constantly fighting over which was better. Uh, the Dark Tower. <laughs> you guys don't even know. Uh, I can't even imagine where you would oh, find man. comparison points. There's magic <laughs> in both, I guess. Well, the pro- the real hmm. problem uh, lay in that uh, neither party had read the other series. Oh, so... totally. <laughs> yeah. This is like the, the console wars, but just like more nerdy and also <laughs> not as relevant and just terrible. <laughs> it's, it's the blind hucking rocks at the blind. Pretty much. Turns out they're all they're both pretty good. So you know, yeah. what happens. <laughs> Two different things, uh, you know. Yeah, very. With, uh, with, with with age comes an understanding of nuance. Wow, you were in middle yes. school when the second the second to last Harry Potter book came out. I think so. Like I said, oh. the the Oof. the timeline on that is yeah. real fuzzy. I'm 25 now, so I think that 
kind of squares up. Middle school or high school? I don't remember uh, exactly. Yeah, but uh, oh, yeah. Huh. so so you so, so you got into it uh, pretty young, like a, at like one of the prime Stephen King ages, which is either in uh, late middle Absolutely. school, or early high school, or um, like me and Murph, uh, much later, right? Yes, very much so. Yeah. In fact, I I am still the baby on this in that I have I just finished this last chapter. <laughs> That's as far as I've written. It's taken it slow. It's been eight months since we spoke, Murph. It's been eight I'm reading along with the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then pe- uh, people who listened to last the last episode, which I encourage you to, you know, this is a, a companion. Um, go back, go back, check it out. Or remember, autumn um, is a is a seasoned hand at this. In fact, autumn is kind of bringing some knowledge of the uh, of the original cut, right? That is correct. I've got a couple good notes for this episode. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I, I actually prepared this time, and I have um, I have that document that compares all or that uh, uh, compiles all the changes up, and actually re- like use that as reference for making the notes, so I don't just have to say, "Huh, I wonder if." <laughs> so we're going to bring all of our guns to bear on this. Ha! Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Gun <laughs> I see what you did there. I didn't even do that intentionally. Uh, it's, uh-huh. it's just reflex sure, at this sure, point. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so last time uh, when we were talking your, your about pun loading trick. Sorry. It's like a back nice. over a tire strip is what happened. Like just all of the air left. Um, so, so on the previous episode, <laughs> Um, we, uh, following Roland here, we, we, we met this young boy, Jake, who has traveled to this world, uh, Roland's world, uh, through, uh, the door of death by doing the pun reloading trick, I guess mm-hmm. we're calling it now. Um, <laughs> Roland, uh, uh, heard Jake's story. The man in black dressed as a priest appeared in New York and pushed him in front of a Cadillac, him being Jake, killing Jake and transporting him here. And so the two left their meeting place, um, and headed into the desert, carrying this jawbone of a speaking demon, um, who offered Roland a grim prophecy. And so last chapter ended as, uh, as, as the, uh, the gunslinger and Jake were getting out of the mountains and kind of getting into the scrublands here, um, into, into the mountains themselves. And so. Something that I forgot in coming back to this, you know, both in the in the audiobook and then the couple times I've read the chapter preparing for the episode, is how varied the terrain is in this first mm. book. They go on a yeah. hike. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I was expecting a big old desert trek mm-hmm. book. And now I'm like, oh, there's water and mountains. <laughs> this is you know, things change. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, in my, in my mind's eye, it, it really is like a, like a dry and desiccated book, probably just because of that incredibly strong opening. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, you know, by the time that they actually do hit the water though, um, I have to say it feels just like when you're reading Dune, like the relief is palpable. Like I bet Roland's really <laughs> regretting not distilling all the water from those dead people in Tull, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a line later when uh, when Roland has to has to carry Jake away. He he describes him as being light as a November leaf from dehydration. And I don't know that's that's that, that's incredibly evocative. And you know, even mm-hmm. as they approach the hills and they talk about uh, like Jake smelling the water like a horse that yeah. you can't actually like bridle in, just kind of like champing at it. It's like, huh? That is that is how intense this is. Again, these descriptions yep. are really carrying it across. Autumn, do horses smell water? 
<laughs> you know, like I, I was actually kind of laughing at that line because, you know, there's all those old, um, I guess, adages about uh, leading horses to water and not having them be able to drink. But uh, I have to say in Phoenix, we just kept when I had my horses there, we just kept a ready supply of water. So it did not actually come up. <laughs> you, you, you never okay. attempted to attempted I, to. I, I never did over. three three days of deprivation and then just to see what would happen. Yeah, you to know? see if they could find it. Like do a little like a just I mean, I guess that would be God's dousing rod at that point. Yeah, just actually... traveling down down the interstate in pursuit of water, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I guess that, that would be cruel, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, for science. It's okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> How else are you gonna cure them of dehydration if they keep, you know, wanting all that water? They're addicted. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hey man, you want water so bad, go find it. Yeah. It, it makes it makes it makes you weak. Um, and there's even there's even life around here. Like the description of Roland seeing an arc of brown and shooting a rabbit just bam out of the way like i don't know like everything is so heightened yeah. it's nice that for once there's nothing wrong with the rabbit like it just seems to be a normal rabbit like no <laughs> muty rabbit with 12 legs three eyes yeah and, and the and the fifth leg is always like hanging uselessly out out of the center of the chest <laughs> yeah there's a there's a bit of a pattern here i don't know yeah, ju- just like in our Ooh. world <laughs> i will i will say but there's also vampire bats apparently so oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. I was going to bring that up, actually, that like this not only is a palette change. I mean, we got a little bit of it with the speaking demon and um, and the, the the spider and the and the way station. But this definitely seems like where King is kind of really starting to transition more into uh, the fantasy realm. Mm-hmm. Kind of like because up until this point, uh, when I was reading like uh, bits and pieces of the last chapter, obviously, whenever we see finally realize where Jake came from, I was kind of not worried, but I was like, I th- didn't think that this was supposed to just be a Western um, with like mild, like uh, supernatural undertones to it. Uh, what with the the lady in Tull. Um and this definitely kind of like where the segue starts to happen of him. Uh, not only coming out of the desert, but like he really kind of brings up like the wildlife, but then also the vampire bats. And uh, then eventually what we find in the forest, like this is really kind of where the book for me when I was first reading it really kicked into that mode. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we meet the boss of this area, um, yeah. it, uh, it, it is definitely, and then it's going to zag back again. I don't want to spoil anything for Murph, but mm-hmm. when they're under the mm-hmm. mountains, like we're back in Techland again, like it yeah. is just very, it feels like deliberately zigzagging back and forth, um, between these, between these two kind of modes. Right. Well, and I don't want to skip too far ahead in this chapter, but like the, this is the first time I think they've explicitly said time is broken. Yeah. Like, in, in explicit words from the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's softening. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've suspected before, but now like, oh yeah, Roland's aware that like stuff is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> both, both, both time and space are malleable and dissolving. One you know? could say they're almost converging. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. All, that all things sense. must serve the beam. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, but like things are kind of chill, you know, they're just kind of reveling and, you know, they talk about the softness of the dark seems nearly mm. uh, decadent of the of, of the earth and all of this. So like this is a nice and welcome reprieve. And I like that this is here because pretty much everything that came before and after this is com- is complete desolation. 
Okay, okay. So the, I I'm correct in my assumption that like this is the relaxing chapter. Just when <laughs> you know the, the, the Roland takes some mescaline, fights a suck, or you know has sex with a succubus, and you know I shoots mean, some rabbits. It's this a, is the, real chill. the calm. It's, it's a kind of fight. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. I don't know. That, that was that was the alternate title for this was one great day. <laughs> <laughs> rolling to shame and a no good very bad um <laughs> but 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 all cannot be good because uh because roland has this dream this dream that is kind of calling back both to this uh horrible tragedy in his past and also this uh kind of horrible tragedy that waits in his future that he's very anxious about murph as somebody with no w- with very little perspective on the series how did oh, yeah. all of this strike you Oh, it's it's confusing. I think it's 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 kind of I'm assuming it has to deal with Roland's past, which we, you know, discussed in the last chapter. Uh, but also, I, I, like I I've got some very good, like proper nouns that I'm on the lookout for, mm-hmm. but I, I don't quite know what's going on. And I think I'm not supposed to. Mm. Yeah, if that makes sense, like, like very clearly we're we're supposed to we're getting some we're learning about Roland and that. He has some sort of, you know, he's had love in his life. Like he's not just some weird monster that is just like a Terminator trying to go after this one target. Uh, Like, you know, he's a man. He's felt things. He's had friends and, you know, family before. Yeah. But also apparently all that has been burned. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I guess I'll find out. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the dream that he has is he's, uh, it's, it's not something that actually happened. He was not there to see this, but it was his, his love, Susan Delgado, you know, many, many years back, uh, being burned at the stake, um, as he's held back in chains and autumn. I mean, let's talk about the, uh, the, the, the details that they added in here without spoiling too much, because a lot of those proper nouns only came in the revision when, uh, when, when King kind of knew where this was going. You know, I uh, before we get to that, I, I've always thought it was really interesting in this book when they talk about when Roland dreams and when he doesn't dream, because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of unusual for this with him having a dream. Like um, back from the first podcast, I mean, the, Stephen King very clearly said that he had no dreams after he was finished sleeping with Alice. You know, mm-hmm. he just had that complete restful sleep with after, you know, clipping 43 some odd people in tall. <laughs> and then um, when he does need something um, like in this example, um, him having the dream. You know, some some stuff is pretty bad is about to go down with Jake that he's able to to save him from from that. But I've always been kind of curious about that. I mean, at the end of this uh, chapter as well, or at the end of this book as well, it's mentioned that Roland goes to sleep and is troubled by no dreams. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's a little bit of a, like a barometer for what his state of mind is or whether or not there is. I mean, kind, kind of conveniently, whether or not there is important information to to kind of get across, you know, and that, could, you know, you could uncharitably call that just exposition like okay we're going to use we're going to you know <laughs> have have him have dreams when when we need to get something across like this flashback right here well um, also i mean this is uh I, I can't remember exactly is this the first time that he has slept since he and jake have started to form any kind of a relationship it's the first time that we see it a lot of time passes like enough time for like jake's hair yeah. to grow out so I'm wondering if that's kind of like this is almost stirred up in him because of this kind of uh, – I don't think he, he said it yet, but you know, very shortly he's going to realize that he loves Jake. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm wondering if that's kind of what triggers this uh, inside of him. Yeah, um, it, it like it's he, he kind of decries this later on in the chapter where mm-hmm. he's like, oh, God, what is what is wrong with me that I'm actually starting to care about a kid of all things mm-hmm. when all of this is, uh, you know, go, go, going on. Um, and this is like explicitly the violence that the man in black is doing to him is giving him yeah. a son to, you know, have him sacrifice for the tower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but but you like are two... correct that they've changed a lot of um, mostly <laughs> things for that we'll encounter in book four, um, putting in some of those things like with Rhea, yeah. the Reap Festival, the Cherry Tree, the, those type of things are something that um, are definitely going to come up in the future. But wow, not for such a long time, you know. <laughs> so there was a he did have this kind of a dream in the original story, though. Yeah. Uh, what exactly yeah. was it without those details then? Like, I mean, was it just proper nouns that were plugged in? Like, is he, did he still, uh, cause I've never read the original uh, version of it. Um, did he still see like a woman that he loved being burned? I'm assuming. Yes. Or- that, that definitely happened. Just a few, as Cole had said, some of the nouns, um, like very mm. specifically that cherry tree was not in the <laughs> original, um, mentioning Rhea of the coups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it was. Uh, it, so he added the detail about him not being there to see it. Um, that is something that we're going to okay. lear- learn later. Um, he wasn't there directly to uh, to, to to witness it. Um, he added it. So it was just Susan. There was no Delgado. Um, he he always had this love interest who he lost in the past as kind of part of his tragic origin story. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 pretty dramatic, and also the way this ends is a is a very striking image because, you know, his his burning lover with a cracked and charred hand points up and screams, "The boy, the boy!" Uh, as uh, she kind of points at the window where he first saw her singing, and Jake is up there as a white statue with a stake driven through the forehead, um, and actually mm. the, the the same place yeah. where he shot Alice, um, you know, uh, and and uh, King calls him a saint for demons. So, um, anxiety dream. I've had those. Roland has them. He's just like us. <laughs> I I feel like this is like I mean I could definitely tell there's a lot of symbolism going on here. I just in kind of I don't shall I say prophecy or foreshadowing I guess in this case because it's literature. Uh, but I just I haven't I haven't been able to fit the pieces together yet. Yeah. Did the did the imagery work for you? Oh yeah, it was very evocative. Like. Uh, you know, witch burning and saints and just I got a real clear kind of like image in my brain of uh, of Jake as a kind of like a Roman bust mm-hmm. with a just kind of bleeding because there's a, like a nail in his head. Mm-hmm. It's real good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very incredibly vivid. And even more frightening than that is when Roland wakes up and finds out that Jake oh. is not there. In also, fact, his hands on fire. Oh, I forget, <laughs> is it? Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. I didn't. I didn't pick that out when I was reading it. <laughs> is his hand on fire because he was smoking? <laughs> Share more details, no. please. No, he he had just rolled over and put his hand into the campfire. Oh yeah. Well, that would do it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I never had that experience. I don't I don't know. I've always had a tent when I've gone camping. Yeah, well then the tent would go up. Nylon. Yeah, it's I'm oh, not going to save man. you. Oof, that's bad. That, dead. that probably probably is the worst ending I can imagine to an anxiety dream. You know, like <laughs> I've had a lot of anxiety dreams but I've never woken up on fire literally. 
<laughs> I've, got, I've got a story. So um, I, uh, I've, I've been real stressed out with work lately. And uh, one of the things that I got for myself over uh, Black Friday happened just before we recorded this was a, uh, an Echo Dot for my, uh, for my bedroom, like for my nightstand. Um, you know, and uh, I, I set an alarm and they have like celebrity voices that you can use. So I'm like, okay, can I, uh, Alec Baldwin can wake me up tomorrow. That'll be fine. Oh, that's fun. That's yeah. fun. I'm saying that <laughs> so, like a Midwestern mom. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Oh, that's, that's so fun. Oh, isn't that special? Um, <laughs> and then this morning, you know, 730, um, instead of waking up to like beep, beep, beep or chimes, I hear, wake up, sleepy head. <laughs> like in him, oh it's him God. in full on Glen Gary. Like, you know, if the early bird gets the worm, what does Alec Baldwin get? He gets the early bird. Like he's berating me for sleeping. And I jolted. <laughs> I jumped straight bolt up right in my bed. I was like, no, please, Alec. No. Um, it, it, at least it wasn't the voicemails for his daughter. Like he wasn't like, you're a rude little pig. You know, oh, that, that type of wake up oh, call, right? Gee. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, that. Is that an actual thing that he did? Oh, oh. yeah. Some mm. of the voicemails that he had left for his daughter were leaked. And I guess I suppose she hadn't called him back or something. And he was like, you're a rude little pig. And. Oh Whew. man! Like I know he's a, a rage elemental, but I don't like I don't like hearing him being abusive to his family. Uh, never meet mm. your heroes, Cole. Yeah, I suppose that's why we can. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> oh. But be it a hand on fire or Alec Baldwin uh, shocking you into <laughs> in, in, into waking, sometimes you wake up and you find your young companion has been lured off by a succubus. That was an amazing segue. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, again, we get a picture of how heightened Roland's senses are. He's able to track Jake by scent. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably so a bit. Roland is Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> he can smell the absence of Jake. <laughs> well, I mean, wasn't it mentioned that they both just smell really bad? Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> they were wandering through the through the through, through the desert, and also he was following like footprints in the dew. He wasn't like you know chasing after boy smell or anything. But it's just a just a little detail. Um, but um, yeah, like he follows him to this uh, kind of like Stonehenge, almost with this altar at the center, and then uh, uh, yanks him away as he's kind of being tormented and you know torn in two by this uh by this thing this succubus so what do you what do you guys think of this development i think it's very lucky that that roland woke up when he did just based on jake's um age and um maturity level yeah yeah as a reader i'm relieved that roland um popped up on fire when he did just to to kind of shut down this oracle's um in whatever it had planned for young jake yeah indiscriminate Mm -hmm you know, demonic sexual act against a, a, a literal child. And Which is something I'm really glad he didn't go into any detail on. I was yeah. right. reading and, this. I'm like, Oh no, is there like a line or something I forgot about and, that? It's just going to be kind of real gross to read. Yeah. <laughs> like, th- thankfully nothing happens. Like they just described yeah. this, uh, you know, this, uh, the, the gunslinger read uh, on his face, this, uh, fear and terror at war with some excruciating pleasure. So, okay. Nothing too, they, nothing too crazy there. What, they do a really good job, too, of especially the way that they've started off the whole beginning of this book where, oh, it's it's almost sensual. There's water, there's dew, and you mm-hmm. almost don't realize that you're kind of being sucked in uh, just like the Jake and uh, Roland are by the, the succubus. Oh, um, yeah. Until, until he grabs mm. that jawbone, you're like wow, this is just a dreamy, cool place with a henge. <laughs> this is great. I'm having yeah. a nice time. I'm feeling relaxed. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 like a honeypot, and everything here is just like everything. In this chapter is described by smell, like especially when we get to kind of the climax 
again, no pun intended. It is mm. just a reflex oh. um, of, of of this chapter. <laughs> you know, just the, the 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 way that the way that the entire scene is communicated is, is almost through this ref- refrain of the different scents that like come across. I, I too am happy that nothing really happens with this because Stephen King has kind of a dicey history with that. See it. But, <laughs> having, yeah. I mean, see, yeah, see our first chapter really, like yeah. the first episode. Oof. Like the sexual politics are much better in this chapter, so I guess he's making pro- poli- you know, kind of, kind of. Like I'm not, they're not good. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, she is a demon, I guess. So. Yeah. And and I'm I'm sure a fair amount of people have read it, so yeah. um, I'm I'm also feeling pretty relieved there there too. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll, is that worth a Google search for me later? Uh, or should I just uh, not? Is that not safe for life? It's I, I mean, mean it's, it's, not, like not, it's not safe for life. Go go ahead, Stephen. I was just going to say, it's it's not – I guess supposing what King decides to do with the children in that story, that's the best way to handle it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just entirely unnecessary what happens in that story. Yeah. So, <laughs> Good. Anyway. I, I, I don't – well, no. This is probably not the best time. So, But I, I, I do want to say that when we later get a full look at what this oracle slash succubus is, I – I actually kind of like this representation of a succubus. Like this is probably my favorite uh, representation of one in in literature. Mm-hmm. And and I mean the bar is incredibly low. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like dark stalkers, something else, and then this. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> this representation of a succubus is not some kind of sexy lady. It's mm-hmm. hey, this is like nature, kind of just invisible forces and like just pressing down and urges it's kind of it's very it's more of a feeling kind of right yeah it's feelings it's primeval mm-hmm. i don't want to say pagan but it that's kind the, of like, that's what know, they're that's, trying to evoke that's definitely the the uh image uh that it evoked in my head uh rereading it uh this time was whenever he comes up he sees he, he sees jake standing before the stone and his first thought of the stone is that they are very old and that they are ancient and that is kind of what cropped up in mind is this pagan kind of uh, not a ritual, but like, you know, like you see an imagery of an altar and there's just like like animal bones strung up. And maybe that's just my bias of growing up with a religious background. But that is yeah. immediately the first <laughs> thought that uh, pops into my mind. I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. Also, I like that this succubus – I thought the succubus is really good or oracle, whatever you want to call it, is a good reveal because uh, – the forest, I think, is described as tempting before this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's kind of a, a, a fantasy trope a little bit is a, a forest that, you know, or a fairy tale kind of thing. Yeah, that yeah, is like that that you inviting it, yeah. you in and obviously for uh, nefarious reasons. And that it is actually kind of all because of this <laughs> thing hiding inside of it. Yeah, the, the, the oracle or the succubus is an aspect of this place. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're they're one and the same, and it like it makes a lot of sense that when Roland goes to confront this, he takes mescaline, and we get this kind of description of his of his hallucinations. Like he's getting more in tune with the connections between all that stuff in order to like reveal her. That's not explicit, but that is the way that I see it working anyway. Yeah, that that is one of my favorite parts of the book, and um, obviously I'm a big Roland fan, mm-hmm. but. I do want to say that he just took mescaline basically while he while he was babysitting and then left the kid holding a jawbone. Like, here's a jawbone, little buddy. Stay cool. I, I got to go see a man about a sex oracle. Like, I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> a mass murderer like, I, on drugs. Hands yeah, like, I, I, 
I wasn't a great babysitter, but I never took mescaline and left the kid holding a human job. Yeah. Well, you got to know where the floor is, you know. I mean, I mean, I never, I never let a kid hold a jawbone. Let me put that. I mean, my my jawbone it's jam box, but only because he, uh, be, because he wanted to listen to sweet tunes. Yeah. Um, actually, that that just evoked a, my favorite babysitter was someone who brought over a, a Nintendo and let me play Wizards and Warriors. Mm. So that's about what Roland would do, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's, that's it's, like it's, our world equivalent to a cool speaking demon jawbone. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a, it's all a different, d- different, different kinds of quests. Um, but uh, but but Roland, you know, picks picks this kid up and takes him back and ties him down so he doesn't walk away. Um, and Jake is like, oh, I, I never slept sleepwalked before. Well, you did now. <laughs> and he proves I, that to him by showing him the jawbone which he has a pretty uh, uh marked uh reaction to oh he does not he's not having it at all yeah yeah like, <laughs> good this jawbone is, is spooky and i kind of like how he just doesn't tell you exactly how it works mm-hmm. but like it's it like, <laughs> yeah well it's um it, I, I, we forgot to mention this the jawbone is what kind of broke the spell like it caused mm-hmm. the uh the sensuality to whip away like a drape when he pulled it out, like it just kind of like it was a cold shower on everything when he when he I mean, produced it. I mean, if I were to, to bring an exposed jawbone into the bedroom, I think it would have the same ex- effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the person, I suppose. Well, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, different boats. Yeah. I don't want to yuck your yum. Yep. But no, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, we see Roland's uh, resourcefulness and also his kind of training or knowledge of these kind of arcane things, because he recognizes that though this is a demon with no shape, only a kind of unformed sexual glare with the eye of prophecy. Oh, God, such a great line. Um, yeah, this is a really good. <laughs> this is a really good succubus. I, I agree with you guys. I didn't realize it until we came back to it. But yeah, for sure. Um, he says, well, I'm going to take this. I'm going to go get some answers. I'm going to, I'm going to go sex some answers out of this demon. Um, and, uh, has a, has a very, has a very frank, uh, conversation yeah. with Jake about mescaline. Right. You know, we, we talked like, cause I know a lot of people read some of these Stephen King books when they were younger. Like, I think I read misery when I was in fourth grade. Oh God. I, I, oh, I was wow. not, Jesus. Like, I, had, I had to ask my parents, I'm like, what's cauterize? Like, <laughs> But this is pretty much just a love letter to mescaline. Like, I'm glad I didn't read this when I was younger because it would have blown all that dare drug education that I had. Like when the police came to my school, like out of the water, because this is so this true. is really selling mescaline. Like, I'm tempted to look on Amazon Prime and just see, you know, like. That's the thing people know, you're going to roll up on a succubus. So. <laughs> That's the thing people don't realize. Silk Road didn't go away. It was just rolled up into Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> but is it a hard sell when he's when he's uh says that the uh, the origin story for mescaline is the gods pissed on the desert and mescaline was the result that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah badass uh, um, i also <laughs> like that uh that lsd is kind of brought up but jake knows what it is kind of mm-hmm. he's just like i guess was was dare around the 70s <laughs> i i don't know i i think that i think that jake's drug education was through his parents Again, because of his dad's love of the coca. Yeah. But um, Jake recognized it like, oh, are you going to get hurt? Ah, no promises. Later, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me sew up your shirt while this kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Autumn, like, so, so you really dig this chapter. Like, let's talk about these hallucinations, guys. Like, these, uh, yeah. this, this is some good, good imagery. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, that that one part, I actually wrote it down just for this. But um, worlds rose and fell before him. Empires were built across shining sands where forever machines toiled in abstract electronic frenzies (laughs) on and on. Like that till it closes out that paragraph with the gunslinger watched as the world moved on. Mm hmm. Mm. That I line mean, is exactly what I wrote down. It's so goddamn yeah. good. Oh. <laughs> and, and he's he's seeing this while he's negotiating terms with the succubus. He's laying on the altar and like looking at the like seeing this projected on the leaves of the trees. <laughs> I mean, <yeah>. good. <laughs> Don Draper could not have written a better advertisement for mescaline. <laughs> he really could not. <laughs> it's toasted. Um, you, you're, you're toast. Yeah. Um, I really like the, uh, uh, like the, the the description. He realized it was kicking in and that it was a good high when uh, when he saw that the grass was so green. He thought if he touched it, it would come his hand would come back covered in green paint. Yeah. Yeah, mm, I'm just yeah. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that our our, our boy Stephen King has probably tried mescaline at some point. <laughs> <laughs> he was so, I'm, okay, so he was he was 19 when he came up with the idea for this, but he was 23 when he wrote the initial draft. I could the 23 I could say that being mescaline age for some reason I I associate that with like uh, shaman you know who were like older than time sitting sitting on top of a rock. But, but he um, was in college during the 70s, right? Yeah, he tried mescaline. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess. I'd be more shocked if he didn't. Yeah, that's that's true. I'm not, wait, my Stephen King? My Stephen King with substances? First off, how dare you, Autumn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but again, we get a we get this uh, kind of glimpse at him with his you know reaction to this. This is not the first time that he's done mescaline, uh, probably in order to to do kind of the same thing. And like he normally doesn't like it because his ego is too simple and strong, and he does not like feeling emotions. Like he he doesn't want his defense peeled back, but that is exactly what he needs to do to see these nymphs and dragons, and you know open himself up to kind of perceive this oracle. So I'm I'm going to say something negative about the book here. Yes, and <laughs> feel free to do. This is so. This part kind of felt a bit Mary Sueish, where mm. it's like he doesn't need drugs; he hates them because he just likes who he is. Mm. And also, he can convince a succubus, a succubus to have sex with him and tell him prophecy. Mm. They they're just begging for it. <laughs> That, yeah. that is a, a good point because we have seen Roland have some, I mean, pretty elaborate sexual encounters throughout uh, what's a, been a very short, almost novella so far. Mm-hmm. So I, right. I, I think you're completely correct about that. Yeah, yeah. this is a little D and D power fantasy ish. So. I mean, he's so cool. I just, I'm just saying, <laughs> guys. Yeah, and so. I, I do not disagree if that like this part of the book is a little bit cringy. I, I hate the word cringeworthy, but like, it's like, yeah, okay. It's uh, it, it, wish fulfillment, I think is the right word for it. Um, mm-hmm. It's shocking how far they go in the other direction after this. This is the okay. only time that Roland is characterized as being, you know, be, being a, a woodsman like this, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Am I correct in saying that autumn? Like like this character, this characterization, or at least these circumstances, kind of slip away, right? I I'd say so, but I I will say that there's always um, with the magic in this series, especially in this this book, um, or the the gunslinger as the first book. There's always a sexual element to a lot of the true magic. Like yeah. if we remember back to the first episode when we were talking about the man in black back flipping over and everything that happened with um you know behind the bar with alice um 
I mean, it, there does seem to be like a, almost a Kundalini rising type of thing. So to, mm-hmm. to get true magic and to get true prophecy, uh, if I'm being generous, I would have to imagine that maybe that's why, you know, with some of the demons that we, we see later in the future, there's always a sexual element to it. Um, yeah. And maybe that's how you drum up the drum up the old magic, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that has real world, well, quote unquote, like real world uh, roots, right? I mean, oracles generally have like, oh, she's crazy. She's inhaling the fumes. And then I don't know. And the Vestal Virgins, like sexual sexuality has often been tied to prophecy. And I'm okay with that. It's just just the it's just the fact that, oh, Roland's he's so cool. And also, he you know, one time he, he had a succubus just begging for it. Yeah, yeah, kind, uh, kind of that sort of that that level kind of thing. I'm I'm you're, I'm confident that the succubus would have killed me in like ten minutes. Like I'd be looking down <laughs> from heaven at my pile of dried out bones, and I'd be like, "Oh man, I wish I'd taken some mescaline or planned ahead." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just had some water. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 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 yeah, I, I think that what we're what we're arriving at is primal magic that is activated or associated with 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 sexuality. Fine. Um, a, 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 a cocksure murder machine who everybody bows, bows to. Okay. The intersection of those, <laughs> like it kind of doesn't tarnish either of them too terribly much, but you're, you're kind of excited for that to be over with. In, spite, in, in spite of the fact that like the stuff that surrounds that sex aspect of it, like, you know, like them actually that, that particular exchange is pretty cool. Yes, if, absolutely. If- if the th- four of us ever want to start up a band, Cocksure Murder Machine, I think it's going to be a great name for a Dark Tower-themed band. <laughs> that was a very elegant turn of phrase. Cocksure Murder Machine playing live at the varsity. Yep. As long as I get to play drums. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to say something, either Murph Mur- or Steven. I forget. Um, I was going to bring up that uh, the only the way that I justified that the succubus, quote unquote, begging for it in my mind is that he talks about like, when was the last time any uh, thing of sentience came through here besides the man in black? Yeah. Um, And like and then the other really awesome line that I uh, that I wrote down from uh, this uh, chapter was for a moment he felt dwarfed by the possibilities of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And to think of like the in. If time is, you know, softening, as he says, um, the idea that maybe it is for this section of the world, it has maybe been eons since the succubus has even seen another person. Yeah, that's the only that is the only reason like that's what kind of clicked in uh, clicked it together for me in my head because at first i was a little bit put off of like i was like i don't remember roland being like this super cool dude uh this whole time you know (laughs) yeah yeah and she's so if if that is indeed the way they draw sustenance it also makes sense that she would be even more uh, man i I can't think of a non-gross way to say this desperate for it i guess um, you know, if, uh, just because he had recently denied her of, of, of her snack, you know, in, in Jake, right. Mm. Mm. I, know. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like talking about this anymore, guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no. uh, but he goes there and while he is, uh, uh, tr- wait, 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 I want to g- talk about the succubus some more. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. No, <laughs> no, I'm we're, no we're, we're going to talk about it because you know, he, no, he, no, no, I'm he, uh, he, <laughs> God damn it, Murph! I just took a drink of my coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he he is uh, 
<laughs> he was correct. You know, she she is an oracle. Um, and he shows up, and while he's tripping balls, right. he negotiates the, the the terms of it. And before the act takes place, she gives him she gives him the prophecy. So let's talk about the individual elements of this, um, just because all of this is uh, is foreshadowing. And like with a lot of this, uh, Murph, did any of this seem cool or make yeah. any kind of sense to you? So the first one I disliked. The second one I'm like, that's pretty badass. <laughs> and the third one I was a, I was I'm positive. Uh, it, so the and the first one is it's it's the fact that it's heroin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it. I, I need to see how it plays out. But if it's like, oh, this guy's this person is just a, a prisoner of drugs, I'm gonna be like real disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one where it's, it's just vague and it, it talks about wheels. I, I'm like, yes. Oh, all right. I mean, I'm, I'm totally in for something. Is that a car? Is that someone strapped to a wheel? Like, okay. You've, you've, Professor you've X is in the dark tower. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The, uh, the, the, the second will come on wheels. Yeah. Right. And then the, the third is just mysterious, but you know, it's ominous and like, I'm, I'm always in for an ominous prophecy. Yeah. Uh, death, <laughs> but not for you. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I I want. Could you guys talk around the the first one and make me feel better? It, it introduces <laughs> like my second favorite character in the series. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. As as right. someone that has read the series, it was very difficult for me because I'm trying to be mature and just read the sections that are assigned for the specific podcast. <laughs> um, as soon as I heard the prophecy or read the prophecy again, it was all I could do not to just slam the entire series. Like stay up all night, <laughs> yeah. read everything. I'm I'm very excited about right. drawing of the the three now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's much of a spoiler to say since there's the mystic number three, the drawing of the three. Um, what a, what a great setup for this. <laughs> and oh, as wait, a, a former, former Catholic, I like three is very important in that religion. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Yeah. I like, I like things in threes mm-hmm. makes PowerPoints all better. Everything has to be. Three. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, and also as a Planescape uh, fan, you know, the rule of threes. Oh yeah. Is pretty oh good. yeah. Rule yeah. of threes. Yeah. 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 Huh. <laughs> so yeah, if if that if that uh, allays your fears, Murph, like it's used to okay, good, no. it's, it's used to good effect, um, and it is not just a you know, <laughs> what would you say if it's not just heroin that he's a prisoner to? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Good. Yeah. Then 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 I'm all right. Fully on board for these prophecies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> when when she gives Roland the offer too about you know you could just give all this up and you could just go hang out you could probably mm-hmm. make like some money with your gun it, it'll be fine um it was so apparent I mean could anything be less alluring to the character that we've gotten to know so far with Roland <laughs> I mean if Roland just wanted to to you know do a little gunslinging for money I mean he wouldn't have gotten this far no uh, there's been no less tempting prophecy I think that I've ever seen I was gonna say this is a real important piece of characterization for me at least because like by this point they've said all right he he loves this boy right and he's asking all right what do I do to save him and he says, well, there's in the Northwest, there's still need for people with guns. And so like he's he's given an option. This is a very like very clear. Hey, if you want this kid to live, you got to go to the Northwest mm-hmm. uh, and abandon whatever quest you're currently on. And so it's all right. Well, here's someone you love. You can save them if you do this thing. And he's <laughs> not doing that thing. So clearly his current quest is also. Like I can tell, like oh, okay, this man is dedicated to this quest. Yeah, he's a junkie for the tower. Like that, that that is his entire mo, and he's given so many chances 
to to cry it off and he just he just doesn't because that is mm-hmm. not in his makeup I mean, this is like this is the first exceptionally clear one I can see. Yeah, there's something that uh, that that they changed in the uh, in, in the revision that uh, kind of I think takes a little bit away. So in the original one, uh, the oracle tells him to go west. Um, in this one, she says go northwest, um, which that has something to do with the beams. And we're going to get to that later. Um, but he, you know, in the original, uh, West, you know, going West and we're going to find out what going West means to someone from new Canaan and new Gilead. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the going West means to be exiled in disgrace Ah, okay. is, is, is what it is. And so like, if that was the way that it originally came out, if she said that, like, I think that would carry a lot more connotation other besides just go back the way you came. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah, no. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Just a, yeah, just, just no, a bunch they, of little like, details like that. Good. No, I'm just saying. I, I, I like that. That's mm-hmm. that. That shows me clearly what kind of man he is. <laughs> yeah, uh, or so, at least what kind of person the man in black is that he needs to stop him. Yes, and the the the, the man in black is is, is Craven. Um, you know, and so we learn a little bit more. You know, the the boy is your gate to the man in black. The man in black is your gate to the three. The three are your way to the to, to the dark tower. So she has kind of laid out at least the first leg of his quest. But she also puts in this detail that kind of muddies things a little bit. Even in the same book, we learn that this is contradictory. <laughs> a contradictory <laughs> statement. She says Martin is no more. Martin being the magician uh, who was the counselor to his father Stephen Deshane back in Gilead. Um, you know, Martin is no more. The man in black has eaten his soul. This, you know, mm-hmm. C- categorically untrue. <laughs> oh, all right. Good to know. Am, am I, am I wrong about that? Autumn? Uh, you know, the, I was actually, when I, I was reading that, I was trying to remember in my head. Cause again, I, I, I want to go through and reread everything now, mm-hmm. but uh, in the older things, it was a little bit more unclear, obviously, who the man in black exactly was. And you kind of gets muddied up a little bit more in books five, six through seven, who I, I I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah, it's um, we'll, we'll get to that in the final chapter, like, like, like what is revealed. But this is this is confusing. And I guess that it, if I'm being charitable, it makes sense because the man in black is supposed to be confusing. Like that, mm. that particular character, this trickster is, you know, is mercurial like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as this, um, kind of reaches its peak, you know, the, the, the demon, again, this, the, this creature that is, you know, incorporeal desire and scent, you know, shows him, you know, faces basically of everybody he has ever made love with. And he kind of walks away, you know, basically drunk, you know, wondering if, what he learned, this information, this prophecy that we've talked through, um, whether that was enough to justify this this feeling of defilement. So, like, he has, you know, given up something essential in order to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's back at the camp. And, you know, as we're going to see, like, throughout the series, whenever there is any, any of these, uh, whenever there are any of these revelations, Roland almost always comes back changed uh, from it. And th- this is kind of a little bit of the beginning of this of this slide right like he he knows in no uncertain terms you know the 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 demons the forces beyond have said you know jake needs to die and this is this is not welcome news Mm -hmm. and so we have like this a little bit like a like like a twin of the of the previous kind of like relaxing camp session 
um, except now they are, you know, putting things together and getting ready to move on. And, can I just, oh, good. Can I, a moment that just really worked for me just in a humorous way, <laughs> he comes back and, and Jake is holding the jawbone and he's just like, you can, you can let go of that now. And he just kind of, <laughs> oh, he, thro- he, like, he throws it as and far I, away as he can. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, that just, it, like I could, in, in my head, that's just an, in the upcoming movie, I hope, well, it won't be in the upcoming movie, but I, <laughs> I, I can see that being a really a good laugh line scene. <laughs> yep. Oh, just uh, like, I, I would like to see him like th- I, throw it at Roland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I kind of, if I could have my ideal casting, I think I would put a very young Jonah Hill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's he's a little too old now. But, uh, yeah, no, just a, a little. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> like a like maybe like the movie he did before Superbad. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, they should just do the you use that Jeff Bridges from Tron of Evolution um, uh, yeah. technology to like de age him. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> here, That's the here second is a... time in this pot in this uh, show that you've made a Tron Evolution reference. <laughs> really? <laughs> I know we That's so weird. <laughs> I saw that movie once. It was okay. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to ask what the first one is because then I'm going to get too far into my into my own head. I got a friend who swears that Tron Evolution is the best movie ever, and I just don't. <laughs> every time yeah. he brings it up, what yeah, a, I just stare. What a hill to die on! Wow, what a Jonah Hill to die on! Oh. <sighs> yeah. He's on fire today. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a reflex. Oh. <laughs> so unloading trick. <laughs> um, so there's a the, the, there are a couple of kind of endearing scenes here where. You know, Jake says, oh, everything here is so old. Like, is anything young in this world? And Roland tousles his hair and says, oh, you are, you little scamp. I'm going to kill you. Can I, Good. can I, oh. um, man, this is, and I, go for it. This is the one thing I really don't like about Stephen King. And it's kind of like the, the magic of youth. And it's, you know, like in Silver Bullet and it, and like, I don't know, I've, Every every Stephen King novel ever that ever existed, mm-hmm. like like it's it all it all rides on the 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 shoulders of one special young person, mm-hmm. and like I n- kids are shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I hate. I would say I hate kids. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, I, you might stance. have kids, and I'm sure they're great for you, but. <laughs> It's um so if if there are three things that are magical in Stephen King's eyes, it's children, it's black people, and it is the uh the intellectually disabled. Right. Um, the, 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 those are those are the three wells that he yep. keeps on returning to. What I will say, and somebody in the Sly channel was talking about, like, I just I don't get Jake's characterization. Like I just it just doesn't it doesn't click for me. I I think it's somebody who is reading through the through the books for uh, uh for the show. Mm-hmm. Who is that? Because I need to buy them a drink, and we need to have a podcast called like "We Hate Jake," the companion <laughs> podcast, so, Radio Free Midworld. Mid- mid- um, what I, what I will say, I, I agree. Jake in mm-hmm. this feels like a twenty three year old person trying to talk about what it would be like to have a son figure, exactly. like that. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like so many things, I you know, I. I all I can see over the course of the 40 years that this series took to ro- to, to, to write is like as as Stephen King grew up and had experience 
with women or with having children of his own like that just a lot of that stuff became infinitely better right it's like because like Jake in this, is he, you tell an 11 year old, all right, we're going to climb a mountain. And like, <laughs> you, there's no complaining. Uh, like I, I went to, I've been to restaurants with my 11 year old sister mm-hmm. and like, it's like the <laughs> most harrowing uh, memories I have uh, in my life. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, Oh, it's, oh, like, no, yeah. I don't want to eat this Chinese food. It's Chinese. <laughs> and that was the what? day we were asked not to come back to the Golden Corral ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just asking the waiters, can you bring me some food that's not Chinese? Please, this is steak. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right but like like jake gets shitty and for as much as you know even now he's kind of playing the wise beyond his years kind of card uh with with this character like it just it just gets better you know and that is you know when you're talking about a four thousand page series like don't worry after the first 300 it gets better um that is not uh that that's that is cold comfort but um but 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 i will say like yeah you know just he, he kind of grows into his own well, I mean, but there's it, at least he's not doing much, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. And at least he got one good day and he got some praise from a father figure. I mean, who <laughs> didn't love it when like Roland was like, oh, good work, son, basically, you know, yep. like, wow, you lit that fire. You're killing it. I'm proud of you. <laughs> You're doing it. You even said that little rhyme I taught you. <laughs> or did i i don't know mm. i'm so confused <laughs> yep. where did i learn this oh boy uh oh yeah <laughs> so that is the uh the, the, that is the first of the endearing scenes the second is when they kind of recapitulate the quest jake has no idea why he's here and uh was it was you Stephen was talking about like oh you know this is where i'm going to tell you like time is softening this is the first time we're mm-hmm. going to explain it but yes the dark tower stands at a nexus and something is wrong with it and that is why uh shit's fucked yo there was one word change in here that I actually didn't see listed in my um, the little thing that I found online with the the changes between the original and the 2003 version. But there's one part where Roland's talking about how he spots three rabbits and he draws leather on them, but he says that the rabbits are sylphlay, uh, which was a word I wasn't familiar with, so I googled it, and apparently it's from Watership Down. Um, the rabbits in Watership Down, when they eat outdoors, they call it sylphlay. Hmm. Um, and oh, I, I just thought that was a really odd change. I went back to the digital copy that I have of the old book and looked at it, and it's, that word, is it's definitely the only word in the sentence that was changed. And it just reminds me, for anybody that's read The Stand, when Stu Redman references Watership Down and talks about the rabbits going tharn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mm. I'm a cool and good person, but I've never actually read Watership Down. But I thought it was worth mentioning that there were two watership down references and two dark tower connected novels and that mm. he had gone back and made mm. that word change about those rabbits i i mean so this is this so, is a, a proper noun spoiler but like shardick that is another richard richard adams thing is it yep. okay yep I, I, who, who was who was going to say something i'm sorry i talked over you no no did i did i talk about shardick in the uh the first episode i don't believe you did i don't think so oh man so it's come up now, so I'm going to use the excuse to, to talk about it. Go but for it. I independently named my WoW character Shardik, mm. and uh, never, no idea what it means. 
uh, <laughs> in terms of Stephen King. But I would, whenever I was playing WoW, people would be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a fan of that too," and I'd be like, well, "Yep." <laughs> Don't know what you're talking like, about. Like, like the, these are two sounds that sound pretty cool together. <laughs> oh yeah, it was very much. I wanted to name my character Shard because mm. I'm hard and shard-like and a rogue. Yep. And uh, oh wait, that name is taken. Oh, the set I see. Well, I've got this sweet Dirk. So let me just try to, to portmanteau that. <laughs> Shard. Ah yeah. oh, man, that's too many yeah. characters. Autumn gets it. Autumn gets it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my way would have been to randomize the name until I found something that kind of sounded like something I'd like, but then modify it. So, oh, nice. Sh- sh- Shadro. Oh, Shardick? Okay, there we go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Although Shadro is a pretty good name, too. Yeah, that is yeah. Okay, let me. I'm gonna go yeah, make a. That sounds like a hunter. Yep. And done. <laughs> Aren't claimed. Okay, cool. <laughs> you kind of took my character name, but I'm not gonna yep. get angry because you're so so kind as to come on the show. Ten dollars. <sighs> yours. <laughs> um, uh, and the third moment here is this kind of fond recollection as uh, Roland is describing Gilead in New Canaan. Um, you know, his, his homeland, his, his birthplace, uh, to, to, to Jake. And again, we get some wonderful imagery here, um, that is kind of contrasted by what it eventually turned into and the ruin that it ultimately arrived at. Yeah, I guess there mm. ain't no party like a Gilead party. I'm, I'm really <laughs> glad that, that Roland has some good memories because most of my memories of school dances just involve like a lot of Pearl Jam and Limp Bizkit. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I think Gilead I think seems like a very glamorous, cool place. Like I, I would not mind going to a, to a party in Gilead. <laughs> yeah. You said Pearl Jam. I, think... I was about to say, how am I supposed to dance to Jeremy? And then I, 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 I was about to say it before I realized Wow, that is funny in two ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say that we probably went to the same uh, to the same middle school. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I think the same DJ just traveled the country. <laughs> oh, boy. And now I will uh, enact the ritual of the cha-cha slide. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Chair you tree. Chair you tree. <laughs> Burn I think, to the I think left. We're, I think we're like 10 years apart in age, but I think we still had the same high, middle school dance music. So <laughs> I'm, I'm presuming you're saying I'm 10 years younger, so I'm very oh, flattered oh, and charmed. 100%. I'm, I'm definitely the old man <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, but I also want the, the grapes, the grapes on a, on a sledge imagery. <laughs> Yeah. That I, for some reason I really that made me one want to eat grapes mm-hmm. and two was just like really evocative of like how good it was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just uh, grapes so big you could eat them like hand fruit almost. Like you know not not as big as the as the biblical you know New Canaan, mm-hmm. but uh, but but pretty close. And then but then there's always the, the he puts oh but we didn't we didn't grow them that big because <laughs> you know we just didn't want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a, that's a good hedge there, Roland. Yeah, we just didn't feel like it. Yeah, yeah. We we had Babe the blue ox, um, but you know Paul Bunyan, may, he was maybe like six two. The ox was maybe like five feet tall. Yeah, we just but, we, we happy that we buttered our pans like normal for fly for frying our flapjacks. We didn't do any of that skating around on pats of butter <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, there's a there's a passage here. So we in in the last episode, in the last chapter, we learned about hacks in the kitchen, you know, and we got this description of, you know, it was this decadent place where all the kids could go and they had this nice, you know, warm, like, you know, 
second uncle kind of figure who would feed them snacks even if they were forbidden and what has been reduced to here the warm steam that had been filled uh, that, that, that had been filled with the pungent odors of roasting beef and pork had changed the clammy damp of moss giant white toadstools grew in the corners where not even the slow muties dared to encamp Hmm. Just that's like, a really yeah. cool ending to that sentence in a, in a single what does sentence that mean? <laughs> it, it makes you wonder how sudden the fall was there's another line in there about the wine turning to vinegar that was it slow was it fast was it cataclysmic i, I don't know uh the, the the comics reveal that it was cataclysmic but the okay. but, but it's not you know that, that isn't implied here uh here it's just stated like oh you know jake asked what happened well there was a re- there was a revolution we won every battle and lost the war which makes it all the more tragic mm-hmm. that's that's just the most rolling thing ever too won every battle but lost the war you know <laughs> that economy that economy of words yep anything else we want to say about this before we uh before we get to the top of the soul mountain um, is this where uh, at one point Jake just suddenly calls Roland by his name, and I couldn't necessarily find where Roland reveals his name to Jake. Um, and I was wondering if you guys could shed any light on that. I don't remember. I wasn't keeping track. Yeah, I, I, re- I did a quick scan through, and I found I broke. I don't know where my notes went. Um, but I, there's it kind of jumped out at me because it's the only time in this chapter where Jake actually calls him that. Yeah. Uh, that I think anyway. Uh, and I couldn't find anywhere where Roland reveals that to him or maybe where uh, Roland would have been talking in his sleep and Jake would have been present for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. See, so yeah, I just didn't know if maybe I had missed something or if there was something that I, I just wasn't picking up on. I would I would have to assume like you, you travel with someone for a week, they're going to ask your name. Like even, <laughs> yeah. even suppose, like, yeah. dog, this is super awkward. I know we've been, we've been traveling through this de- desert for like a week. Are you, but are, I don't know are, your name. Are you a, are you a Rick? Can I call you Rick? <laughs> oh, please. A Rick and Morty themed. Um, <laughs> oh, gee, I don't know, Rick. I gotta have some reservations oh. about this, uh, about this whole Oracle thing. It's a much better idea if you hold this. Uh, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't do the burps. I'm gonna be back in the day. Don't wait up. <laughs> Justin really does a national treasure, honestly. Dub dub dub. Yep. Oh man, <laughs> but uh, but I can't remember. But there's there's an out. Like we're gonna get to this because like when they when they get to the top, you know, like a bunch of time has passed. They they, they see a single uh, a single footprint. Uh, Jake's hair has grown out, um, and they get to like this gigantic slab of granite with uh, with a waterfall kind of uh, flowing out of it. And then Jake just kind of suddenly intuits, uh, "Doc, you're gonna let me die, aren't you?" Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that was heavy for all of us. Like we were all like, "Ooh, yeah, that's not good." <laughs> no, so so Roland has known this. Um, you know, it's been revealed to him in prophecy. This was the, like this particular detail was not in the uh, in the original draft that Jake knew that what was going what was going to happen to him. Uh, I don't know if the initial intent was for Jake to be talented in the touch, or if the touch was even something in Stephen King's mind beyond just The Shining at this point. Okay, yeah, because I was kind of wondering, like, how does he know this? This seems weird that he's freaking out. Yeah, 
Um, I, I can't remember if he explicitly says like, oh, this is a this is a child who is talented in the touch. But like he compares he compares Jake to his friend um, Elaine or Alan. Um, you know, it's, I, I've heard it both ways, um, who was another, you know, like one of his childhood friends who was who was strong in this kind of like not quite magical, but like psychic or dare I say it, psionic uh, power of, uh, you know, communication and, and, and intuition. Well, there's no crystals going around, so it can't be psionics. Yeah, there's no okay. crystals embedded in your skin, and you're not riding around on a fucking planar, planar hover cycle. <laughs> right, exactly. Come on, Cole. Jesus. I, I tell you, you though, do a what, D&D like, podcast, see- Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Otto. See- Seeing Roland lie to Jake, I, I, again, just tracking back to being the worst babysitter ever. Like, yeah, you're going to be fine. <laughs> It's all right, little bud. You're you're gonna be just fine. No worries. Like if you're gonna lie to like a kid like that, like at least give him some mescaline first. Like... <laughs> Wait, so you're saying yeah. giving the child mescaline would make him a better babysitter? Again, I was not a good babysitter. But... <laughs> give him some but mescaline. Mean, it... Let him play Wizards and Warriors, and then it's all it, right. Exactly. Just just distract him. Let him get some green yeah. on his hands. But yeah, you'll be fine, little bud. Just play with his grass. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll go we'll go get some ice cream if the place is still open i definitely know it'll be closed um <laughs> oh boy but it's a progression well, they, too he, he doesn't just say like oh you'll you'll be fine um he tells him a bigger lie i'm going to take care so not only will nothing bad happen but i'm definitely not going to be the person who does it yeah like this is kind of like the beginning of when if if killing an entire town didn't already kind of do it roland is far and away not a very good person like he's almost like if he were in any other story i would imagine that he would almost be a villain mm-hmm. like uh especially even in later books whenever we just see like how he really just does not care it's, it's all mm-hmm. about the the beam in the tower for him and it's kind of uh, uh this is the first time that uh anytime i ever reread the the series for whatever reason i would skip the first book and skip uh right to the drawing of the three yeah this is the first time I, I had read this in a while, and it actually kind of reminded me a little bit of um, when Joel lies to Ellie at the end of The Last of Us. I guess spoilers for that game. But uh, it's a very similar moment mm. of, like, he's, like, the kid knows exactly, you know, he knows something is up. And mm-hmm. then that idea of when, that's kind of a horrifying moment, the first time you realize an adult is lying to you. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a very important moment for Roland. Is yeah. if it hasn't been made very clear yet, this solidifies he's a terrible person. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the violence of omission, and he's not just like an adult. He is this kid's sole guardian and sole anchor in this very strange and downright hostile world. You know, we've seen time and again that everything is out to get them, and you know, Roland has you know saved his life. You know, despite the fact that Jake saved Roland's life, I realize that is breaking down as I'm saying it, but I'm still going to finish this <laughs> sentence. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Jake is doomed and he's kind of depending on Roland in a big, bad way. Yeah. Yeah. But they get here. Jake wants to turn back. <laughs> you know, he says, All right, I'm going like, I'm, I'm to go. Uh, and the man in black pokes his head out. I, so th- this was a staggering figure. This is the first time that Roland has seen the Man in Black for twelve years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like, it's great. I like the line the f- about his traitorous hands and how it they <laughs> just shot three bullets. And is it because did he miss intentionally? Did the the Man in Black just know that he would miss? I 
I got to Because we know Roland's really good at shooting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, right. we saw him shoot like a little brown shape and, oh, bag of rabbit. <laughs> yep, dinner. Right. Um, Here he misses three times. Yeah. Like, the, the, the only previous time that he's missed was when he was firing while somebody hit him in the head with a plank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's being traitorous, like traitorous in that the hands even pulled the gun. Yeah. Um, I think that's how I read it. I also like how the very first um, reaction of both of these characters after 12 years of uh, this cat and mouse thing is that the man in black's first reaction is to laugh and Roland's is to shoot. <laughs> yep. Like, it's like, well, all right, there it is. <laughs> yep, we're both we're, we're, we're both the same people because the man in black and his devilish grin and, you know, his his McConaughey-esque laugh. Um, that he has. <laughs> now that now that is the Amazon dot wake up that you need. <laughs> the McConaughey. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Time to get up. <laughs> all right, all right. Bongo, fifteen minute bongo solos. Stop, Alexa. Stop. <laughs> no, no, seriously, Alexa. Stop. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> So, but yeah, like that, like that is a suit, you know, again, an establishing, an establishing moment, like the man in black can foil this, you know, elegant, but dumb instrument that Roland both uses and kind of is, you know? Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, like the, what, what, what he fires back, you know, would you kill all your answers so easily gunslinger? Like, are you, you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> And then he also throws this bar like, you know, where you'll have plenty of answers on the other side. Wink looks at the kid. Just the two of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Just like, yeah, kid, you're going to die. Mm. Confirming, confirming all of this. Um, and and I, I guess that's how Jake would have learned about his fate later on. That's where he would have he would have gotten the sense. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. in, in, in the in the first draft. And then, hey, let's go into this cave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Rolling Ro- Ro- gives him a... It's a real... T- <laughs> hey, you want to take some mescaline and go into a cave? Let's get some real, like, mazes and monsters up in this shit. Um, oh, he's the worst babysitter ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's next chapter, when he's the worst babysitter ever. <laughs> yeah, fair, oh, no. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but um, he, he gives him a choice, which he knows isn't really a choice. And, like, this pisses jake off like i love the way that's written like oh you know i'll stay here and i'll be fine right somebody's gonna come up with a thermos of coffee yeah man this is i know we've we just said it last like a couple minutes ago but like the the rick and morty is real strong in my mind now (laughs) (laughs) like this is like the purge planet episode (laughs) (laughs) oh man i forgot about purge planet it just it doesn't Boy. make any sense um <laughs> but um there's really there's really no choice about this mm. and i mistakenly at the end of the previous episode said that there was a switch that happened where roland starts referring to the kid you know referring to jake not just as as jake by his name but as the kid again going back to this dehumanizing archetype and even here uh, and then he says, like, oh, he ceased to be Jake and became only the boy and in personality to be moved and used. Like, yeah. everything is kind of like you've had this brief moment of humanity and then it goes back to the game. It goes back to the game of chess or, or castles um, in, in, in this world. 
Yeah. Mm. So any, yeah. any final thoughts about this, about this chapter? I, I, I feel like we, we got a lot about this, but I, I don't, I want, I want to make sure there are no dangling threads. Um, there was one word um, that I, I noted as well. Um, at one point, you had mentioned the the large granite mountains. Um, Roland describes them as cyclopean, mm. which um, was a, a word that was new to me. And, you know, since we talked about breasts like great earthworks in the first episode, <laughs> um, I, 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 my understanding is that it's a masonry turn um, from the, I guess, the, the Mycenaean age about a type of stonework. But apparently that's a really popular term in um, H.P. Love craft novels yeah um so yeah. just tying into mm. us blending in all of that arthurian legend grand fantasy western um i thought that, that was interesting that there was a little lovecraftian element in there as well oh yeah of course yeah that's a that's a good catch i forgot that you described it like that but that is totally totally a lovecraft word in fact i didn't realize that was a legitimate uh phrase to be used for architecture i, I thought it was just lovecraft so good catch Wow, I feel like Jake after he just successfully made a fire. This <laughs> I'm is sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to condescend to you. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm like, wow, this this is some like really solid praise. I hope you're not about to take me to a cave. And, um... <laughs> I mean, the episode ends, and then we're going to come back later. Like, the, there will be light at oh, the boy. end of the tunnel. It's fine. Um... <laughs> we'll take care. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, uh, Stephen, how about you? Any any wrap-up thoughts on coming back to this, um, uh, you know, fresh after after so long? Um, the, it was just, uh, kind of just parsing this all apart. Like, uh, originally in my mind, I'd always had the way station and the succubus kind of all in the same, uh, time frame. uh, with, uh, in my mind, I, I completely forgot about the mountains because it's not to get too much into it. The starting in the next book, we get to another kind of desolate area and just, just stay there for kind of a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so it was nice. Like it was, it was really awesome. Like uh, having you know signed up for this episode, then realizing like, Oh, this is a really nice kind of the closest thing we get to a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> something like for, a Stephen King story. Yep. For, 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 for like a book in three quarters. Yeah. The first, yeah, the first yeah. one of those we got. Yeah. <laughs> um murph how about you as somebody coming to the series like really fresh you know really so this was this was an interesting kind of interstitial i thought we we got some good stuff this is kind of like the empire strikes back everything is everything's fucked uh <laughs> but hey we're, we're gonna have the final confrontation i think mm-hmm. and also I'd, I'd like to if we could if i think we're, if we're wrapping up we can go how well did i predict uh the waypoint <laughs> chapter I forget what you I think, said. I, I I kind of remember. I was completely off. Uh, I, you know, it's, that's fine. I blame I, Stephen I thought, King. I thought it was pretty prescient at moments. I, I thought I thought it was actually like pretty good. I would okay. really really like to see maybe a like a follow up one on this episode. Mm. Shoot, now the Greer dogs are into it, man. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, we'll leave, we'll leave that in. We've we've been cutting out doggos as uh, as things have gone along. I, I don't feel like I don't feel like breaking the <laughs> breaking the stride. But uh, but Murph, <laughs> do you have uh, do you have any predictions about what's going to happen on, under them there mountains? Okay, well I do actually. Well, so I, I do want to share that before I started reading this, I was like, all right, my prediction for this one, it's going to be like a never ending story. There's going to be an oracle, but like you know. There's going to be some lasers. I definitely said lasers. <laughs> a luck dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so I, I don't think I, I got this one. But for the the slow mutants, like that's a very evocative phrase. And I'm. I don't think. Nope. I'm going to go with zombies. I okay. think we're. I think this is a zombie chapter. You know, we're. 
That's my that is my prediction. Okay, P- playing it kind of safe. Yeah, I know that's that's not the most. You know, screw it. You know what? They're going to be fast zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Zack Snyder. Okay. The, the, the slow mutants Way is about cooler. fast zombies. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, they're slow for mutants, but they're really, really fast for zombies. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, something tells me that it's wrong, and I, the, the illustration is someone doing falconry. So <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm hoping without hope that there is some kind of like crazy falcon bird. That would be cool. But we're going into a cave, so yeah. eh, nah, we don't but, have falcons in caves. But, but time and space are mutable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, do, yeah. do I have some hope for some crazy mutant falcons well, that I, are slow? We're, uh, we're going to find out. We're going to find <laughs> out in the next chapter. <laughs> so if you're if you're reading along, the next cha- the next episode is going to be about chapter four, the slow mutants, uh, the uh, the uh, journey underneath the mountains again toward the uh, toward the man in black and the climax of the story. Um, and uh, I I I kind of want to say he was going to be on, but I. I'm not going to because, you know, plans can change. But again, it's going to be uh, kind of a kind of a, a panel of hosts, both uh, both fresh and uh, and and seasoned, all of that. Thank you, um, all of you for, uh, for 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 joining us. I'm going to go through in introduction order. Autumn, are you still a ghost on social media? Uh, no, I can actually be found on the Radio Free Midworld channel of the Duckfeed Slack, <laughs> hey, which hey. you can you can gain access to for a two dollar monthly contribution to the Duckfeed Patreon. Mm, thank you. You you crossed one off of my list. That is a nailed that, it. <laughs> sick plug yeah that that, that is a, a fantastic place people are uh again people who are just coming to the series fresh are in there talking about things as they go along and people who have been there for a while they're providing answers and guidance and it's a it's 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 a real cool place thanks for joining us there autumn yeah thank you for having me um murph how about you so in addition to the radio free mild mild world slack channel you can find me at dinosaursarecool.com <laughs> which is kind of a, your go to for all of my I I got a million podcasts and a million games and a million tabletop but the the most the most recent of which is an oral history of Arlen I don't oh. Arlen Texas from from, I, from King of the Hill I, th- I think the the podcast speaks for Damn itself. It, it's, <laughs> Sorry, it's a uh, it's a bit. I, I, if I if I say anything, I think I'll ruin it. Okay, so I'll leave it there. Oh, I'll put a I'll put I'll, I'll put a, a a note in the what, what is that called? Murph? An oral history of Ireland. <laughs> Where uh, can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Dork Knight Show. Okay, my other podcast. Yeah, um, and I recommend you listen to that. Uh, Stephen, how about you? Where can people find you? Uh, I am on the Twitters, uh, at from soft junkie and, um, also on the podcast I do with a couple of friends called, uh, platformers. Hmm. It's a general chatting it up with, with the buds kind of thing. So. Awesome. Yeah. And all of those will be in the show notes. Um, as we, as we go along, if you're listening to this and you want more, go to radiofreemidworld.com to, uh, to see the new website that I built for this. Um, on the new hosting service and all of that. Uh, also, duckfeed.tv. I know. I like it a lot. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun making graphics for it and, and such, digging up Dark Tower art. Um, yeah. Uh, and go to uh, duckfeed.tv to find other shows that are uh, similar in tone to this. This has been a fantastic time. I thank all of you for uh, for, for, for joining us listening and also the, the assembled group, Autumn, Murph, Stephen. Um, and until next time, long days and pleasant nights.
Umbasa. Umbasa. Oh, man. <laughs> not, not, not quite the return I was expecting to get, but Umbasa also works. <laughs> <laughs>